live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys, Aitzid Weinstein and Naor Mininger. Hi, Eitan. Hello, Naor. What's up? So, on November 8th, 2016, Donald J. Trump was elected the 45th president of the United States of America, in case you didn't know. I'm just filling you in. So I've heard. Yeah. So reactions around the world were, they were polarized, they were varied. Um, but here in Israel, many people perceived it as, they rejoiced in a, in a sense, and they perceived it as a redemption from eight years of what they saw as a sickened relationship with the United States and then President Barack Obama. Trump's campaign promises about moving the embassy from uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and uh, reversing the Iran deal became turned from hopes to, to expectations. And now we're 30 days into his presidency, a little over 30 days. Um, and just less than a week ago, Bibi, um, Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, was there. Historical visit. Historic visit. visit. Um, so here with us today to talk about this is Oren Nahari, the head of the foreign desk at Walla News, and an author of several best-selling books, including World History Atlas, A Chronology of the Human Race. Hello, Oren. Hi, Oren. Hello. How but are also you? really famous in Israel for... Being a News One, uh, a Channel One's correspondent. Yes, in my uh, fading youth and uh, also midlife, up until a month and a half ago. So I'm still fairly new at uh, Wala News, but doing the same old thing, meaning foreign news editor and uh, commentator. Congratulations for the transition. Thanks. So, um, how would you say his first thirty first thirty days went in in one word? Hectic. <laughs> and expected. Uh, yes, but not that much. I mean, first of all, uh, we don't have to tell our listeners and uh, that, uh, I mean, every day something else uh, explodes. Uh, the campaign continues. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, he's continuing to ride the campaign trail against his perceived uh, real or imaginary foes, um, the liberal elite, media, mm -hmm. courts, um, intelligence agencies, and who else. And he learned it and continuing to do this. Uh, He's traveling in, in, now, actually, and doing uh, almost the campaign-style rallies. I mean, he was just in Florida at Boeing. and Yes, he does. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and of course, Closer the, to the mic, in the please. Twitter and uh, in the Twitter and uh, in rallies and uh, everywhere else. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's something that he learned and they uh, do it uh, quite well in the footsteps of uh, President Putin of Russia, Erdogan of Turkey, several others. And you could also say, and some people say it, uh, like Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel, uh, doing the same thing, meaning keep the base alive. Mm -hmm. Don't let it fade. Keep the base up in flames against the old elites, those who are against them, those who keep them down. Uh, and of course, the media always hated uh, everywhere in the world and uh, feared and, uh, and they have a tremendous power in the, in the thoughts, mm -hmm. at least of uh, some. So yes, this campaign continues and it's, it's not a bad strategy. It works. So you need hatred to keep the flame? Basically, uh, that's the rule? No, you don't necessarily keep hate, uh, need hatred, although it uh, works, of course. You need an enemy. 
you need an enemy. You need, if I may quote my bigger and better, an enemy of the people. Not my enemy, your enemy. You're the simple man, the simple Joe who tries to bring bread home. The, that Joe who worked in Ford or uh, wherever and his uh, livelihood was taken by them. The mm -hmm. globalization, the Chinese, the Mexicans. Which is exactly what he said about the media as well. He said uh, the media is not my enemy, it's the American uh, people's enemy. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, if it's the enemy of the people and uh, the president... Uh, almost by definition, is the voice of the nation, the voice of the people, then yes, uh, they are uh, his, but not his, the, uh, the enemy of the people. That's more important. So, yes, it, uh, you keep the, the base in flames because, after all, nobody, not Trump, not, uh, not anybody else, can keep up all the promises that he made. Nobody can bring back 5.3 million manufacturing jobs back to the United States. Nike will not be made again in the United States with all the taxes and all the uh, and uh, and everything else that he wants to put it. You can bring back several thousand manufacturing jobs in cars and in other places, but uh, people will not be making uh, t-shirts and uh, and uh, Nike shoes and whatever in the United States because the worker in the United States will make what 20 30 dollars an hour and the worker in China will make 20 or 30 dollars a day and in Malaysia and Bangladesh 20 or 30 dollars a week that's economy 101 so let's talk a little bit about his uh, promises regarding Israel because he made some promises about the campaign and we mentioned them already um what about the embassy? Do you do you see his fo him following through with the promises he made about Israel and things okay. relating to Israel? I think that uh, when you mentioned in the in your first words about the promises that he made to the right wing or the government of Israel, the most important one, the one that they are listening the most to, is concerning the settlements. It's mm. not Iran. It's not the embassy. Now concerning the embassy, we've seen some nice. Uh, right out of the diplomatic jargon cliches book, uh, a U-turn, meaning I'll look into it. Mm -hmm. I'll form a committee that will give its uh, opinion in a year or two, and until then, who knows what will happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we do not see it, as we didn't see it during the first days of the presidency of President Bush, the mm -hmm. father and uh, even the son. He promised uh, as well? Uh, yes, of course ah. he did. And uh, Colin Powell made the same promise. And people made the same promise. Reagan made the, made the same promise. And the embassy is still in Tel Aviv. If you remember, then a couple of weeks ago, he met with King Abdallah of Jordan. Mm -hmm. And right after that meeting came the notion that the embassy is not coming this week to Jerusalem. Maybe in the future I'll have to look into it. I'll have to check it about uh, to check it. I'll have to listen to what people are saying because King Abdallah of Jordan and other I presume I wasn't in the meeting told him this will inflame the entire Middle East. You want us. You want the so-called uh, 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 the Sunni regimes, uh, the moderate Sunni regimes. Uh, Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, not that Saudi Arabia, that, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, um, that uh, regime. That, but anyhow, you need us with you against ISIS. Do not inflame our people by moving the embassy to El Quds because we will not be able to control them. You have to decide. Mm -hmm. You have to, prior to prioritize. And this is the priority. So what about the, the settlements, the promises he made about the settlements? Okay, now the, 
again, there are several things, several mm -hmm. promises. Let's uh, continue with Iran, with your permission, and yes. then we'll go. Yeah. Okay, Iran deal. President Trump cannot undo the Iran deal. The Iran deal was made with the Security Council of the United Nations. Of course, it was done by uh, meditating uh, between the P plus one, meaning the five permanent members of the United Nations uh, Security Council, United States, Russia, France, Eng uh, Britain, and, uh, and China, and Germany. They negotiated with Iran. They received some... Uh, result, whether you like it or not, and with that, they went to the United Nations and made it into a United Nations decision. Mm -hmm. President Trump, what he can do is take the United States out of it. Mm -hmm. This will be the worst of all results because on the one hand, you, it will not have no effect at all on Iran because uh, what brought Iran to the table was not United, uh, was not the U.S. sanctions. The U.S. didn't have any commerce with the Iran to begin with. They had a commercial relationship with Russia, with China, with the European Union, and what brought them to their knees was taken out of SWIFT, the banking uh, mechanism, who is controlled by the EU. That brought them to But their knees. But couldn't he declare war on Iran? He could. Why would he? With, uh, with what pretext? Well, they are a, a terror terror state. I see, and you and you do believe that the United States will be happy. The mothers and fathers of all those who listen to us will be happy to that their sons and daughters will volunteer. This is the United States; they have to volunteer yes. to go to a third war in a Muslim country with no pretext whatsoever, because uh, Iran doesn't uh, attack the United States. Iran doesn't have, at the moment, nuclear weapon. They do not uh, do anything. And if you want to go to war against any country sponsoring terror, you have to, uh, to, to begin, let's say, with Saudi Arabia or Syria. There But are many I mean, others. If we're, if we're so just, just to finish the point, the point is... He can take the United States out of it. It will not affect the deal whatsoever. And Iran can use it as a pretext to, so that they will uh, go out, uh, will renegade on their promises and start their running towards uh, an atom bomb, a nuclear weapon. That and then end up with the bad side of both sides. <laughs> exactly. But uh, if we're talking about wars, I mean, uh, Republican presidents go to wars. If we're talking practically... No, it's not true. Democratic presidents go to war. World War One, Wilson, Democrat. World War Two, Roosevelt, Democrat. Vietnam... Uh, Kennedy yeah. and then Johnson, Democrats. But that's a long time ago. If we're talking about but, recent but these, years... these are the serious wars. Yeah, absolutely. But if we're talking about the past 20, 25 years, so the Gulf the, we are War, talking, the Iraq War, Afghanistan... Okay. okay, now, the first Gulf War, the first Iraq War, was a huge success by President Bush the Elder with a coalition of the entire world from Russia to Syria, the entire uh, uh, Arab world and Muslim world were against Saddam Hussein. It was a short war. It was practically without any uh, combat losses. And then after three days, he didn't topple the regime and they went home with the result wanted, meaning uh, Kuwait uh, liberated. Mm -hmm. I will not say democratic Kuwait because I cannot laugh that uh, hard. Uh, the Asabah family, the great democratic uh, 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 family. <laughs> Never mind. This, uh, the, after 9-11, uh, mm -hmm. uh, President Bush invaded Afghanistan with the huge consent of every American and other countries because they had to retaliate against the Taliban and Al-Qaeda state that was formed in Afghanistan. And then in 2003, the major, major geostrategic 
huge mistake. I'm starting to sound like Trump myself, you know, with all those huge. exclamation marks. Yes, sad. <laughs> that would be the next word. Anyhow, this was this was a total disaster. The invasion of Iraq. And this, it was done by a Republican president with the support mm -hmm. of Democratic senators. Let's remember, because whenever a country goes to war against a perceived threat, uh, you'll see both parties. Yeah, and the uh, last but, thing but Trump <laughs> has is the support of the but Democrats. But he does have a mandate from the Americans who elected him to, to retaliate against Iran. So how can he do it? But Iran didn't strike a first blow. Iran at the moment are sitting very quietly and they are ab abiding by the deal, as everybody says, including the... Uh, the United Nations uh, uh, nuclear uh, nuclear arms. So why is Bibi so scared of them? Okay, that's a different matter. Uh, let's say we take it at, at face value without any conspiracy theories, because after all, Iran and Hezbollah are the uh, strategic threat on Israel, because Iran is a superpower. And it's, uh, it is under the Iatullahs, and they say that it is their obligation in the future, or the, not their obligation, but they want Israeli uh, wiped out of the map. And when you combine a super, uh, a super at, least, at least a, a regional superpower with uh, 80 million uh, people, with, uh, with uh, science, with technology, with money. And good brains. And good brains. And when you combine it with the ability to achieve nuclear weapons and the Hezbollah on our northern borders, this is the strategic threat towards Israel, not ISIS, not uh, Al-Qaeda, yeah. not Syria. This is the threat. And uh, Bibi is uh, scared of that threat. But the point is, what do you do against that threat? And again, as you said, Trump has the mandate and Bibi has the mandate. There are voices in Israel, including uh, almost the entire, as far as I know, uh, chiefs of staff and, uh, and uh, generals in the army and the people in the intelligence saying that the Iran arms deal or Iran nuclear deal is not as good as President Obama tried to paint it, but on the other hand, it's not that catastrophic as Bibi and Trump paint it. I mean, it gives, first of all, <clears throat> 10 years and the supervision of the UN should stay forever. And all the options on the table should stay forever as all the options on the table. So uh, uh, maybe not the Iraq and Afghanistan war, but if we're looking at the Gulf War and how it started, um, and could it po could possibly maybe be, be, be have uh, more grounds, not more grounds, but maybe be more likely to, to start something in Iran than pulling in the United States. Because now, he know, you know, when Obama was president, he was very wary of starting anything because there was already friction in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Now with Trump being more supportive and, you know, calling this meeting historic and t promising about the embassy and the settlements and all this, he's got this great friend. Maybe he'll say, okay. So let's say that you're the prime minister of Israel. You throw your country to a war against the Shiites of the world mm -hmm. and their country of 80 million people and huge army and all the threats because you rely on the mood of President Trump. That's, that's your collateral. <laughs> yes, with that, you go to a war that will last for decades. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not how I would, uh, uh, I would act. And if you remember history, 
that phrase that uh, sent shivers down my spine, America first, because this was the slogan of uh, the people in the late uh, 30s and early 40s, Charles Lindbergh and Henry Ford and others who say United States should never go to war in Europe. It is not our business. The only people who will try to drag us there are them the Jews. They want us against their Hitler because uh, we prefer, of course, Hitler to Stalin and uh, we maybe some of us prefer Hitler to Roosevelt as well, those uh, people who were isolationist. But the only people who will drag us to war are the Jews. There are people who say in the United States that the Jews dragged Bush, Bush uh, Jr., to Iraq, all the people who are uh, with him, the neocons, uh, Crystal and Pearl, uh, the Elder, etc., etc., they are Jews and they dragged him to destroy Iraq, the enemy of Israel. God forbid that, we will, that the United States will be dragged to a war in the Middle East against an Islamic country and anyone can have the Point pretext to say that the Jews started a war and they dragged the United States to that war and our people are getting killed and we have terror bombs and terror threats and maybe uh, we have uh, terror attacks in yeah. the United States because of the Jews Not to mention that, that will inflame the yeah. anti-Semitism that is rampant already. I'm not saying it's a good option. I'm wondering <laughs> if you think it's more plausible. No, I don't now. think so. No? I don't think that... Uh, well, I think that if Netanyahu would have wanted to do that, he would have done that, uh, let's say, in uh, 2009, 10, 11, yeah. when the threat was there and there was no deal. And uh, you could say that uh, uh, the time is ripe, we have to stop it now. Mm -hmm. But today, uh, the numbers, as far as I know, uh, say that you, can, uh, you cannot, the Israel cannot destroy the Iranian uh, nuclear plan because uh, most of it is uh, 80 or 90 feet of concrete in the middle of the mountain in Purdue and other places. Israel cannot do anything against that short of nuclear, uh, nuclear arms. Or and cyber then, uh, no, Nobody will uh, do that. And uh, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't mm -hmm. see it happening. <sighs> That's depressing. <laughs> the whole this whole discussion about Iran. Because, so so yeah, what can he do it, then? It, it, it's depressing because you want a war with Iran now. No, but I f I, I I do feel that um, Iran is a threat. Yes, it is a big threat on us. Iran is. A um, I, I totally agree, and uh, it it will have to be contained, and hopefully it will be contained by the United States of America, and uh, the United States of America sees Iran as an American problem, and not as a Jewish problem, and not as an Israeli problem, and this is the good news. Yeah. Now, if Iran is contained by the United States and the other uh, countries, fine. But again, it is it is bigger on it is big, uh, bigger on Israel than uh, to try to deal with uh, Iran alone, as I see it. It can be, uh, I can bring you another variations. Trump, as we all know, is a real estate developer. Yes. Uh, we all remember the famous uh, Monopoly game. Yes. Always lost in oh, that Okay. Game. So uh, I can see a future where he and uh, Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin sit on the big table and they are playing with the countries. They are playing with the hotels and the streets. You'll have okay. that. I'll have this. Okay. You have Syria. I'll have Ukraine. You, what do you give me in Israel? Let's see what develops. Israel will not be a player in this monopoly. It will be a pawn yeah. on this monopoly. We're like Beersheba on the Israeli version of <laughs> exactly. monopoly. 
more or less. Maybe Tel Aviv. <laughs> we are we're, very, like, we're, very... like, we're like go. Whenever anybody lands on it, they have to pay money. <laughs> yeah, or they go straight to jail. There are many, many options. And the settlements. That's, yeah. uh, that's uh, what everybody in Israel was so uh, happy about. When uh, Trump said, no, the famous quote, uh, it was funny the way he said it. But basically, what he said in his way, and Trump has a special way with words and sentences and the English grammar, etc. <laughs> One state, two states, whatever you decide is, uh-huh. is fine states. with me. It is what everybody says. You, the Israelis, and you, the Palestinians, have to reach a deal. And if the deal is acceptable to you both from your own free will, plus here and there, some uh, tipping of arms, etc., etc., it's fine with us. One state? Okay. Two states? Fantastic. But he does care less about the settlements than previous presidents, no? Yes. He doesn't say that the settlements are an <laughs> obstacle to peace. He didn't say it. Uh, on the other hand, he more than hinted, he said it, that uh, building uh, outside the settlements and building so much, he doesn't like it either. Yeah. He says, okay, I agree. With, uh, with the Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu, he didn't say it, I translated, as saying this is not the core issue. There are core issues, returnees, Jerusalem, the borders, uh, 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 practical military control of, uh, of the area. But the settlements is one more issue in the list of issues. So how do you see the visit of Prime Minister Netanyahu there? Um, do you see it as a success? Yes, I see it as a success, but I see Just it close as a to success. the mic, please. I see it as a success uh, from another point. After, there is, you know, when, whenever you say something, there are the words and there is the music. Yeah. Now, President Obama said all the options are on the table concerning Iran, and President Trump said the exact sentence, all the options are on the table concerning Iran. The music does the difference. Nobody believed that Obama will use force, and people believe that Trump may use force. That's amazing what you're saying, because we sat with a game theorist a few months ago, and he says, if you want peace, prepare for war. This is Professor exactly. Auman. And you're saying this is what Trump is practicing, basically. Yes, but I don't think that he does it from a point of view of a game theory, but he, he says what he means. And again... The United States is the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. E- economically, it's 10 times bigger, the economy, than the economy of Russia and uh, concerning arms and army. I mean, there is no comparison whatsoever. But if you are not willing to use this force, then you don't have it for all practical purposes. Mm-hmm. And if Putin is ready and willing and send his army and he is willing to use the force, then he is the more powerful one Again, not, not theoretically, but I mean practically in the field. Now, Trump, uh, Obama said, and he meant it, I'm sure, he's a friend of Israel, he'll be, he's backing Israel, he gave Israel intelligence and, and arms and support and whatever. True, totally true. But when Trump says now this visit, he, he hugs Bibi. He does the, um, uh, the meeting with the newspaper man before the meeting and not after the meeting as customary uh, because it fits B.B. more. Explain and this point, please. Uh, it's uh, uh, 7 o'clock in the evening. 
to to uh, to Israeli prime time. Aha. Uh, mm. Very very simple. No one talked to I didn't I didn't even realize that. That's genius. <laughs> it's not genius. I mean I if mean, you if you were in the media us, for our level. <laughs> yeah. For us simpletons. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, no, it's it's a, I mean uh, that's the best And uh, of best course time. he pointed Sarah and, and uh, of course he pointed Sarah. Now uh, pointing Sarah aside <laughs> when Trump now says that Israel got a bad deal from the UN etc etc and I'm 100% behind it when Obama says it people are saying okay Obama said that he's 100% behind Israel when Trump says it everybody in the world says to himself Israel is again the good boy Israel is again on the top of the list Israel is again so has the th- United States full of backing basically when you miss with the, when you mess with Israel these days again you're messing with the United States you, you're saying Obama was totally uh, no one believed him in no, no 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 I'm not saying it I'm not saying it I'm saying that people didn't believe Obama concerning using force brute force not soft power not cyber war not uh, hunting down Isis as he did. Yeah. And he did, and he had huge successes, and Al-Qaeda, etc. But the point in uh, 2013, when Obama drew a line in the sand and said, if Assad will again attack in chemical weapons his people, we will retaliate, and he did nothing but agreeing to Putin to some deal that uh, the chemical weapons will be uh, moved out of the country, which... Most of them yes, were. Yes, although chemical we- weapon is still being used of in course Syria. Of course it's being used. So. And when you are a superpower or even a small country, you, you draw a line in the sand. You can blink. And you say, and you say it for all the world to hear, and you do nothing afterwards, yeah. that was, that was uh, not only a crime towards the Syrian people, that was a huge strategic mistake. And you a turning point, it. maybe. A turning yes, point in not history. Maybe, fully, yes. I mean, the United States, I totally uh, understand that the United States under Obama didn't want to get into the mess in Syria, send boots on the ground and people back in coffins after Iraq, after Afghanistan, after Somalia, Black Hawk Down, to those who remember, etc., etc. But on the other hand, they could have done many things. And I'm not saying that it's with the best uh, site in the world, which is uh, hindsight. It's because... Me and others said it at the time. The only thing that should have been done, and it was done before in Iraq, in uh, Yugoslavia and other places, no-fly zone. Force the Assad Air Force down. Do mm-hmm. not let them bomb citizens. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You can do it easily without any losses at all, and then the war would have been ended in, 12, uh, in 2012. You could... He could also annihilate Assad's forces from the air like he could do that. Yes, but for that you need again a pretext. You cannot uh, invade a country. you can. I mean the United States did it several times. Russia does it, many countries does it. If you invade Syria or destroy the forces, you have to explain why. And if you do it, a little a little hom- uh, genocide is not enough. Uh, well, uh, this, is not, this is not a good explanation. <laughs> it can be the result, though, yeah. but uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, the first phase of the game. Uh, yes, but uh, if you do interfere 
in uh, Syria, and you have to remember that it, uh, it was right after Libya and Egypt and, uh, and uh, Tunisia. So interference didn't seem the best uh, of all uh, policies for the United States. Yeah. But if you train forces, the moderate uh, free Syria army, then go ahead and uh, give them we weapons. Do something. I mean, you don't send your own troops, fine. At least give, uh, give uh, weapons to those who fight for you. The Kurds, Free Syria Army. Now you are left again with, uh, with two very bad options. Yeah. Either Assad and uh, Syria, uh, Iran, Hezbollah, Russia. or So for now, at least when Trump says, I am going to get crazy if you piss me off, don't piss me off, I'll... I'll, I'll kick your asses people still believe him now in the world still but they are checking him they're checking him they are checking him and they started checking him on the first day on the first day he entered the presidency and you saw putin uh, bring up the lights in eastern ukraine they want to see what will be the reaction of president trump people tend to forget that in east ukraine there is a <laughs> war exactly and people die every day there and north korea did its own uh, one more testing of an uh, of a missile they want to see the reaction the reaction up until now is words so words more forceful words than obama's but still the same words mm -hmm. the tone may be different but if it stays in the words zone then uh, okay people so will maybe get their own uh, perhaps israel will test him as well with settlements and begin building and I'm not sure that we'll see it coming in the near future. Maybe he's no. too I afraid. I think that, uh, yes, I think that uh, Netanyahu, uh, I don't know if uh, the word is afraid, but President Precautious. Trump is, a, is an unexpected person. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows what will happen. And nobody knows who's got his ear at the end of the day. It seems that in this uh, power struggle, Steve Bannon is the more forceful one and not, unfortunately, Jared Kushner and Ivanka. So at the moment, we see a president that is prone to moods and uh, changing of his mind with Steve Bannon, a mind that is flirting at least with uh, white uh, power uh, ideas. And, uh, and uh, they are the ones who are calling the shots. So this is not a time to do any rush moves. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we learned something from uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, that he is very cautious. Yeah. He is not prone to do big, uh, big things. If he, uh, and there is uh, something to be said for that, of course. Mm -hmm. So... Um I wonder if the how the relationship between them is going to work is going to look over the next at least four years. I mean, do you do you believe that you know there's going to be? I mean, we're going to see a shift, I think, between that relationship and the relationship uh, BB had with Obama. Surely, if there was a relationship, yes, with Obama. So there was a okay. We'll see a shift in relationship, but President Trump got his hands full. Mm -hmm. with all sorts of things. And I think that uh, most of what he tries uh, will try to do will be in the domestic scene, not in the international scene. And in the international scene, although Israel is an important country and we are an important country in the region, etc., we've got, uh, there is a saying um, that he, he's, uh, he punches above his weight. Mm -hmm. I mean, a small guy, but he throws a huge punch. Israel is one of those countries like North Korea, if you will, that uh, are uh, very small and uh, perhaps remote, but got uh, effect on the events in the world. So 
uh, there'll be other people they are dealing with us it'll be Rex Tillerson it'll be today we've learned uh, McMaster it'll be uh, uh, of course uh, um general mattis uh, mm-hmm. defense mm-hmm. secretary etc etc and from time to time trump um i don't see see that with all the other things happening that uh, trump will wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night thinking only about netanyahu and israel so how do you see those other relationships looking like between also friedman david <laughs> friedman the new ambassador he you, hasn't been confirmed yet ah Okay, and between Mattis and Rex Tillerson? Again, uh, the team, the team that Trump assembled, uh, is, it, is it good for Israel? Because I read some people saying they're really, really pro-Israeli guys there. Uh, no, they're not. They are, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Rex Tillerson was the head of uh, ExxonMobil. He's uh, in cahoots with uh, Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. on the first uh, thing. And he also dealt a lot with the Arab uh, oil-producing countries. Mm-hmm. He's not an old Israel hand. And uh, General Matisse, again, he's an old hawk uh, against uh, Russia. We'll see how this develops between the, uh, these two corners in the, in the regime, in the Trump regime. Uh, half of them are pro-Russia, pro-Putin, and others uh, are against, and also in the Senate. So, we, I, I, first of all, we'll have to see how they deal with themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the moment, you don't see any smooth working uh, uh, government uh, machine, although Trump says that they, it is. But it works perfectly. It, it works perfectly, <laughs> but evidently it does not. I mean, uh, half the government doesn't have uh, mi- uh, ministers uh, they, uh, at the moment uh, or secretaries, and uh, half of them... Uh, um, don't have uh, any any second in command third in command etc mm-hmm. i mean they are all all almost all the positions are are vacated at the moment mm-hmm. so we'll have to see of course it comes from the boss down and the boss is pro israel but again it's uh... perhaps this whole mess with the administration <laughs> though is i mean maybe this is a big conspiracy theorist which i tried to stay away from but perhaps it's all a big you know light show you know to 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 cause a stir in the media and you know distract away from the things that he's trying to to do there are better ways to distract yeah. at the moment what you see is only more and more focus uh, of the media but uh, again we'll uh, we'll have to see where it develops but what let's... i'd like to see as a journalist in the near future i don't see it uh, coming out at the moment i'd like very much to see his tax returns But, but if we talk about Friedman uh, some more, mm-hmm. why is the Jewish community so much against him? Why isn't it a legitimate appointment appointing? He is uh, a legitimate appointment, but I think that uh, you you do remember that the majority of the American Jews are Democrats. Yes. And you do remember that the majority of them are, Uh, let's say more moderate than the people in Israel that they are more most of them um, are reform and conservative and when David Friedman say that they are kapuz and the word he said about J Street he said yeah. it about, about J Street but apologized it, lately right yes you can say anything and apologize yes that's, that's great hey yeah That's I hate a, you, but I apologize for <laughs> saying that. No, <laughs> I don't forgive uh, you. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's more than I hate you. When you say about J Street, and J Street, you can agree with them or not, but they are a legitimate organization, yes. a left, uh, left-wing organization, 
Zionist organization with, uh, with people here in Israel. Uh, the government uh, of Israel um, doesn't like them to say the least. But when you're saying about them or about people who say that the two-state solution is preferred on them, and this is the majority of the Jews in the United States, he said that they are like the Kapos. The Kapos, I do have to remind uh, the people that they are the... Uh, Jewish the, collaborators with the Nazis. Yes, exactly. With yeah, the but Nazis. this is the guy who serves under the president who called Mexicans rapists and murderers. I mean, are we really surprised that, you no, know, his, I'm, his I, appointees... I, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised that you say what's, uh, what's wrong with him from the point of view of the Jews of the United States. They say he yeah. doesn't represent us. Yeah. He, from the uh, uh, from Israel point of view... He's uh, he's fine. He's for Beit El. He's for the settlements. He's uh, yeah, he's one of us. But from the point of view of the Jews in the United States, and and the, and the two communities are drifting apart daily. Uh-huh. Daily, you see it. The drifting apart between the Jews in the United States and the Jews in Israel. From their point of view, they say they, he doesn't represent us. We are drifting apart from them. You're saying yes, or they from us. And why where, do, why where, do you think that is? I have to explain? Okay. Uh, if we talk about uh, the, the history of the Jews in the United States, most of them are descendants from the big immigration wave coming out of uh, Tsarist Russia between 1882 and, uh, 20 and uh, 1924, the closure of Ellis Island. 2.5 million Jews went out of Russia at the time, Ashkenazi Jews, uh, most of them came to the United States, exactly 1%, 25,000 came to Israel. Now, the Jews in the United States, and again, there are, of course, there are so many, and uh, with varied uh, views, but if we are to- if, if talking about the reform movement, if we are talking about the conservative movement, they are followers of, of Avram Yeshua Heschel and Soloveitchik and others, People who are not known, not to mention taught in Israel, they are talking about Tikkun Olam, who in Israel talks about Tikkun Olam. They see a great pride of the people who march with uh, Martin Luther King in the 60s and went down to Mississippi, if you remember the movie uh, based on on a true event, Mississippi Burning, yes. where three leaders went out to to check the uh, the black community to, that they were able to vote, and they were murdered. There was one black guy and two Jewish guys mm-hmm. who went there. So they are if 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 they look about on their heroes, their heroes will be some of them will be our heroes, Mark Zuckerberg, for example, but they'll be Bob Dylan. It'll be Philip Roth, it'll be uh, Saul Bellow, it'll be other people, Steven Spielberg and others, whom we like on Independence Day. But on the most of the year, no, they're not so much. In their political views, most of them, <coughs> the huge majority, are Democrats. We have to remember that uh, of the parties in the, um, in the Congress, there is one Republican Jew and something like 30 Democratic elected Jews in the Senate. So it's not a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. This is the Jews are voting for the Democratic Party and they see it as their home. Some of them are living and they are not uh, easy with the BDS, uh, not BDS, uh, the the black uh, movement, Black Lives Matter. They see some anti-Semitic notes there, but they see many more anti-Semitic notes around the president, Mm. not from the president himself, 
but around the president. Which brings us to the latest uh, controversy over the anti-Semitic incidents in the United States, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I've been contemplating about that so much because um, I don't really understand why it, I mean, beyond symbolism, why is it such an issue if Trump condemns or not condemns the incidents? I mean, even if he condemned them uh, now, um, this won't stop people from being anti-Semitic and hating Jews in the United States. So, so wh why why is it so important for Trump to say these words? Okay, let's roll with the idea. So it's not important from uh, for Prime Minister Netanyahu or the President to condemn a murder or a tag mechir or anything. It's why should symbolic. you condemn? No, it's more than symbolic. You are. I I I have to disagree. When there was a wave of anti-Semitism in France and President La Présidente de la République, Monsieur Jacques Chirac, went down to a cemetery and stood with the tombstones and said, this is not French, I will not tolerate it, this is a message. This is a message coming from the top that it's not nudge, nudge, wink, wink, we are with you guys, but don't do it that... Uh, that volume, I, I agree with you, without, um, and I don't like those Jews as well, but I have to say something. This is forceful. This is to bring the, the, the force of the country, the force of the presidency upon them. You will not stop the haters. You will not stop them thinking their thoughts. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes, but everybody from the FBI to the police to anybody else will say, will see, that this is not tolerated. It's not to be pushed. This investigation or anything is not to be pushed to the end of the line. It's not that, ah, your name is Cohen, huh? <laughs> it's not. It is to be, they are as Americans and anybody else, and the country will fight against it. It was done in Europe, and when it was done in France, when it was done by the president and the prime minister, everybody in France understood the full message. It so, just, yes, I... I, I, I it seems to me, from my little point of view here in Israel, that people, it's very convenient to discuss whether or not Trump condemns it and uh, alternatively and prevent yourself from discussing the real issue here, which is maybe the, the American Jewry is living in a very anti-Semitic country and uh, now stuff are getting out of the bottle, which has always been in the bottle, but it was there and they maybe didn't see it. Now they see it, and instead of thinking about it and, and, and trying to realize where have they been living this entire time, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, and they focusing on whether or not Trump, this is very convenient, you know? Okay, so let's go again to history. If, let's say, in 1925, you would have asked people, Jews around the world, go, there's going to be, in 20 years, less than 20 years, there's going to be a Holocaust. In which country it will be it will done? Many of them, maybe even the majority, would have said the United States. Really? In the 20s, in the 20s, the Ku Klux Klan had something like 20 million members. Henry Ford published the International Jew and financed the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Father Kochlin was the most listened to radio show in America. It was totally anti-Semitic. Uh, the, uh, the ADL <laughs> was formed after a lynch was made in Leo Frank, was accused of raping a Christian uh, girl, etc., etc. So America was at that time uh, anti-Semitic and there was uh, an effective uh, numerous clauses, etc. From the 50s, even 60s, 
up until now, it was the heyday, if you will, of, uh, of, uh, of American Jews. Even before. I mean, the, 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 the community flourished and more than that in banking, in Hollywood, in, 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 in every field or form, from nuclear physics to, to what have you. And now... All the ghosts that were buried because it's not politically correct and you cannot say anything against the Mexicans and against the blacks and against the Jews. All the ghosts were up because Trump and the campaign, the campaign yes. brought them out. Not necessarily Trump himself, although he had some very, very unfortunate and from my point of view, not as a commentator, but as a citizen, I, I shrank when I heard against the Mexicans as a whole and against uh, other communities as a whole. So yes, in the area, when you see that one of the greatest supporters of Trump is David Duke, who was the head of the Ku Klux Klan, the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, when you see the Klan and other uh, extreme right-wing uh, organizations coming for Trump, and uh, this is problematic and yes perhaps some people took the notion that okay now we are in power not those jews those liberal jews that were uh, controlling uh, were, the white uh, house controlling the money. white house controlling wall street controlling hollywood controlling everything now it's our turn mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh, the president should and uh, something like 15 20 minutes ago he did, he did yeah, condemn I read it. Uh, condemn uh, uh, everything that happened in the united states by the way, something that the Prime Minister of Israel didn't find the time to do up until now. Yeah. How, how about the way the Israelis here see it? We mentioned it uh, uh, before, but how do you think that most of, most of the Israelis, I know that's uh, quite a generalization, but how do you think Israel takes in this idea that Donald Trump is president? Do you think they're happy about it? Do yes. You think, yeah? Yeah, yes, I think that they're happy about it because, again, where you stand upon upon where you sit. So this is, uh, this is a point of view of Israel. Israel, basically, these days, is mostly from the center to the right, and uh, do not trust the Palestinians and think that uh, Obama tried to push us into a settlement that is not in our favor and it would have been harmful in many ways. And Prime Minister Netanyahu has been elected uh, time after time as the Prime Minister of Israel. And they see the president and saying, okay, he's one of us. He's not going to pressure us. This is not Obama. This is something else. He'll show them, whoever they, uh, they are, <coughs> Iran or others, uh, who's uh, who and what's what, and uh, we are fine with it. In um, Israel was the only country on the face of the earth that at the end of the presidency of uh, George Walker Bush, George mm -hmm. Bush uh, the son, uh, gave him uh, approval rating uh, more than uh, 40%. Mm -hmm. The only country. Mm -hmm. Really? The United States was not there. Israel was. So, yes, we want... Uh, we Israel loved wants, uh, George W. There yeah. was a campaign here for him, right? For Trump. I mean, there was there were yeah, organizations Trump, yes. here in Israel. That yes, were... because the Jews, the American Jews that made Aliyah to Israel... Many of them, perhaps most of them, I don't have the statistics that I don't want. I'll have to generalize here. But most of them, yes, are religious and are uh, right-wing. And they and support right-wing. Uh, and, and of course can vote. Yeah. All of them can vote. Mm -hmm. But most of those who come to Israel are coming from, let's say, the right uh, side of the political map 
in of Jews in America and not the left uh, side. Isn't of the that pla- problematic though that we have expatriates from a country <laughs> here in Israel who are influencing? I mean, isn't that kind of meddling in the politics of the United States? No, when you- no, 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 no. Meddling in the uh, meddling in the United States politics is uh, Russia or the Prime Minister <laughs> no, of trying course, to influence that. and saying I'm in favor of Trump, but. Yeah. Not if you have scale. if you have uh, expatriates and it's yeah. under the law that they can vote from Russia through Israel to Mexico yeah. or Canada, that's fine. That's the law there. Yeah. No yeah. problem at all. Yeah, as and, I see. And 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 what about uh, Israeli media and Trump? Uh, how do you see it? We they there is a perception here in Israel that the Israeli media was pro Hillary, and. <coughs> After Trump won, it was like uh, the Yom Kippur of the Israeli media, etc., etc. How do you see it from... You were there. Yes. Um, I think that uh, the Israeli media, as uh, practically every media around the globe, uh, took the words of Nate Silver and others, you know, the, uh, the Paul guys, and uh, didn't read the fine print. And when uh, Hillary lost, and it was a huge shock, and nobody believed it, including Trump himself... Uh, and uh, and uh, okay, now what we are doing? And again, Israeli media. I mean, media is like I don't know teachers or the army. I mean, there are so many people they 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 are not able to agree on anything, except that they want uh, free cookies at, uh, at the press conferences or whatever. Um, so you see again those coming from the right uh, side of the map political map in Israel are pro-Trump and others look at the shortcomings of the administration and uh, see what's happening again. So it's the same argument, but... Uh, but what's up. happening to polling? I mean, is that, is just, is that just irrelevant anymore? Because we saw it in Israel as well with the elections. Not exactly. Not- in, in Israel, uh, people thought that uh, the Likud will get more, but in Israel, again, I mean... The pollsters were right, mm-hmm. also in the United States. It's, it's funny, but they were right. They are saying all the time, okay, there is a margin of error of 4%. And we said that Hillary will win by 1%, and Hillary lost by 0.1%. So actually, we were more on target than the last time when we said that Obama will win uh, by uh, 4 and he won by 1%. So there we... Lo- we uh, but of course... There, Obama won, so whether he won by four or by one, it's less relevant than Hillary winning by one or losing by three, no, zero I, point I mean, one. I remember looking at polls in the New York Times before the election, and it wasn't by one or by it was they had this percentage thing going on, and whether yes. or not they were, I mean, they, the way they represented it was yeah. you know, 85% the day before the election, the New York Times, 85% Exa- chance Hillary Clinton's gonna I, win. I know, I know, and it was even a 90% because they said, okay. In this state, it's uh, she's got uh, she's going to she's up front by 0.5 by half percent, and in that state by one percent, and in that state by one percent, etc. But so if she wins even one or two out of those ten or eleven, then she's fine and uh, right. So winning two or one out of ten is ninety percent. 
Yeah, but and she it, lost all ten. It feels to me like there's hap- there's this <laughs> shift happening, like 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 with economics, where you had strict economics, and then all of a sudden people started understanding that people don't buy in like rational ways, and there's this whole aspect of behavioral economics. Right. I think that's what's happening with polling. It's I mean, you can't uh, predict uh, what people, you know, coming out, they're telling you the, one thing. Yes, that's true, and uh, also there are all kinds of effects, including the shameful effects because women, especially women were ashamed to say that they are going to vote for this man who admitted harassing uh, women and uh, talking like to them like dirt. And 44% of the women voted for Trump. We have to remember it. And of course, <laughs> That's we, will not, we wouldn't have been doing this entire discussion, or we do it differently, if 77,000 people in three states would have voted differently out of a country of 350 million. Yeah. So again, 77,000 in Wisconsin, they Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, okay, that's, uh, that made the difference. And now we are analyzing. So okay, yeah, yeah we, e- there is a saying that uh, either you succeed or you explain. Now I'm doing the explanations. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so to sum things up, uh, is Trump good for Israel or bad for Israel? In your opinion it's a little bit simplistic it depends on your view what's good for israel if you think that um, uh, one country that the settlements are good for israel then trump is your man if you think that you are for a two-state solution either now or in the future distant future near future then uh, he's not uh, he's not your man but Trump is not the issue. If we're talking settlements, if we're talking with us and the Palestinians... It's our choices. Exactly. Yeah. It's not Trump. It's not Marine Le Pen. It's not uh, Samantha May. It's not Vladimir Putin. It's not Hirt Wilders. After all, we, and we have Kardashian. to decide, first of all, what are our borders? Where is the future of the state of Israel? whom our neighbors are going to be? What will be the rights of the people inside Israel? And from then on... We go to Putin, Trump, Xi Jinping, whoever, and ask for the support. Get things done. Yes. Okay, so before we wrap things up, a few announcements, a few things to say. First of all, we're on iTunes, uh, so you're invited to listen to us on iTunes. Uh, We have a website, which is www.tunjb.com. Thank you. Always in a southern And we're cooperating with the Jewish Journal of Greater Los Angeles. Indeed we are. And we are... um, Soon starting a partnership with uh, Secret Tel Aviv yeah, here in is, uh, uh, Israel, which is a Facebook group. You guys should check it out. Secret Tel Aviv, great recommendations for all sorts of things. It's a Facebook things. group of 140,000 people, uh, mainly Olim, who go there and uh, Very discuss. secret, yes. 140,000. Yeah. It's a huge secret. But um, they're, they're just, they're, they're, it's a group of close friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Orient was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Thank it you. was really Thank eye-opening you. and... We enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you very Eitan, much. Thank you. See you next week. Hopefully not. Bye. <laughs> Bye.